Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 38 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to J.J. Abrams and the extended Bad Robot universe. I am your co-host, Matt Crandall, here, as always, with Marcelo Inostroza as we continue our journey deep into the bunkers of the Dharma Initiative in season two of Lost. Today, we are talking about episodes five, six, and seven, kicking off with episode five, dot, 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 and found written by Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof, directed by Stephen Williams. This is a Sun and Jin flashback episode. Marcelo, what did you think of And Found? I liked this episode and I didn't like it because I couldn't get over the traditions of the Korean people where basically her mother basically says, okay, you've done enough studying around the world and it's basically time for you to find a husband and settle down and have babies. And I did not like that aspect at all. I thought that thinking was backwards. It was inappropriate for her mother to say that. And it just sucked overall. With that being said, I do understand why her mother would act like that because her mother doesn't know any other way to live. But that just made me really uncomfortable throughout all the gin and son flashbacks in this episode. Also, one thing that I did like is we we actually find out how Jin and son initially meet when Jin ends up working as a doorman at the hotel. I did find the storyline of son having to basically scour the island because she ends up losing her engagement ring that Jin gave her. But like I said, the backstory in this episode really soured it for me. And I understand that maybe this is how I was supposed to feel, but I didn't like feeling this way and I didn't uh, particularly appreciate it that much. I really liked the flashbacks because up to this point, the Jin and Sun flashbacks have been mostly focused on how their relationship fell apart. So I like that this shows us how their relationship actually started. So it's not focusing on the end of their love and their struggles. It's before they have met each other. Sun is being told, you know, you have to find a husband. That's the way things are. If you wait much longer, you're going to be an old maid and no one's going to want you, which of course is ridiculous and antiquated. And as she goes on this blind date with Jay Lee, and as we see in the flashbacks that he says, oh, this is great. I'll tell our parents that we're going to see each other. I can't wait to tell them because I got a girlfriend in America that I actually like. So this will be great cover to keep me less annoyed by my parents until then. And she's kind of taken aback because she didn't realize that he was just going through the motions to get his parents off of his back. Whereas, yes, she's annoyed by her parents, but she was open to the idea of finding someone and falling in love, which obviously this guy was not, which is so heartbreaking in that moment. But we know that it's going to lead to something else. And then as we see Jin go to his interview for this job and instantly the man says, you know, yeah, I'm going to give you the job. I know who you are. You're a, a fish guy. <laughs> You're from a poor village. And I'm going to give you this job because you've shown great initiative by even getting in the door here, because normally... We would not let someone of your social stature into this office. So yeah, I'll give you the job, but make sure you keep people like you out, which cuts Jin down so hard. And it goes back to where he was ashamed of his father and he didn't let them know that his father was a fisherman. And his father said that that was okay because he understood. And here we see more of the context of that. But I love that Jin does the right thing in a moment where he gets in trouble for letting a father and a son come into the hotel to use the washroom who are poor, who are of the same station as Jin. And it's his compassion 
that gets him in trouble. Jin says, you know what? I can't sell out people like me just for money. This is not worth it. It's not worth compromising my morals. It's not worth losing my humanity just to make money. So I quit. Screw you. And of course, it's then just moments later where literally him and son bump into each other and have their first encounter. And I thought that kind of karmic sweetness of Jin does the right thing and now fate has intervened for him to meet who will be the love of his life even if their relationship is slowly crumbling so i love the intrigue of that in the previous episode uh shannon gives son the bottle of the messages and says we found this me and claire found this on the beach so we know something has happened with the raft we don't know if the raft has sunk if the raft just dropped this bottle but the bottle is here it was supposed to be with them we thought you should know we want to know what you think we should do and son says tell no one i'm gonna bury this so the a story of her being frustrated and looking for her ring the whole time we already kind of know where it's going to be because last episode she buried this bottle so of course it just makes sense that that's where she lost it but it takes her the entire runtime to get there and i love that Locke says the best way to find something is to stop looking and that's such true advice that if you've ever lost anything whether it be a literal thing or a figurative thing the moment that you stop looking is when you find it which is just like the flashback where son has that that horrible date and then starts to stop looking and that's literally when she bumps into Jin. The one positive moment from the flashbacks that I really enjoyed was before Jin goes to the interview, he has a conversation with his roommate I believe and his roommate says that you're going to meet the woman you love and when you meet her she's going to be wearing a, an orange dress and when he actually bumps into Sun for the first time um, after he quit his job She's wearing an orange dress. So I just thought that that particular scene was so nice. It was so well put together. Look, I acknowledge that I've been sort of negative on this episode, but you guys have to forgive me at least for this week because for some reason this episode just really got under my skin and Matt will have to be the positive one for now because I, I just can't find it, guys. The other stuff I loved is the across the island, we see Michael runs away to find Walt even when they tell him, no, don't do that. And we get a lot more with Mr. Echo, who Sawyer calls Mr. Ed. I love Echo. He's so physical and just intimidating. And we find out that Michael has gone. They start looking for him, even though they shouldn't, because we don't want to run past with the others. And they sort of bring us up to speed on how the others just come and they take people. And as Jin and Echo are searching for Michael, they run into a dead body of Goodwin. And Echo says, you know, yeah, this guy died. The others killed him. Then they finally catch up with Michael and they say like, dude, you got to come with us. And he, he's not willing to hear this right now because he's so focused on finding Walt. And we also get that great sequence where they have to hide as the others come by. And we just see like 10 sets of feet walk by and we see a brown teddy bear on a cord. And that was ominous and cool as we see that, yes, there are quite a few others. We still don't see faces and there's some kids among them. So that added some mystery, intrigue and creepiness to the whole other side of the island stuff in this one. Now, next on the hit list is the episode Abandoned. It is a Shannon-centric episode. Marcella, what did you think of Abandoned with Shannon and what Anna Lucia does by the end of this one? I hated this episode. I hated it. And it's not because I'm not a Shannon fan. I'm just so over. If I had one negative thing to say about the 
the writing staff for the first two seasons, I don't think that they gave Maggie Grace enough to do. Maggie Grace isn't the best Fesquian out there, but I do think if she was given better material, she could have done a much better job. The thing that I liked about this episode is that we find out when Shannon's father dies, we find out that he died in a car accident and he died basically in a head-on collision. And as soon as the doctor informs Shannon's mother of this, in my head I'm like, is that the same guy that Jack's ex-wife killed or is that somebody else? I don't know if that was just me putting two and two together where they didn't belong. Uh, what did you think about that, Matt? I think it is 100%. So in that episode, the season two premiere, when Jack decides to let the man die, that was Shannon's dad. The other thing that I particularly liked about this episode is that Shannon's father dying causes Shannon in the flashbacks to realize that she has to make a change. To basically start that change, she needs some cash. And she believes that her father left something for her in her will. But when she finds out that her father basically signed away his fortune to her evil stepmother, and when she's basically denied that money, I really, really felt awful for Shannon. As much as I don't like Shannon, I do think that she's been mistreated as a character, and I think that she just was mishandled. I thought that she could have been written better. That being said, when her storyline does eventually come to an end, I felt really pissed off and really enraged about what Anna Lucille did to Shannon. And basically, there's no reason to hide it. Anna Lucille shoots Shannon thinking that Shannon is one or the other. Yeah, and it's heart it's heartbreaking. I think you're right because watching this show, I feel like there are some moments where the writers threw stuff at a wall and they tried to figure out what would stick and in season one they realized that Boone was not that interesting a character so they wrote him out and then this season they realized that when you don't have Boone Shannon is also not that interesting and kind of useless and so they wrote her out they started the show with so many survivors eventually they're gonna find out who's easier to write for who has a more interesting backstory and whittle that number down as the show goes on because you can't have a main cast of 25 people shannon and maggie grace were collateral damage especially since boone got killed last year they really didn't have anything for her to do now they give her this weird ability to see walt and we're not sure if Walt is real or not until this episode where Saeed also sees Walt speaking backwards, dripping wet. And that is the event that leads to her death because she's just running through the forest at the same time that the tailies are coming through the forest and they're on high alert because they hear the others' voices, the ominous stuff, and Andalusia accidentally kills Shannon, which is such a shitty death. This new character who we don't like. Anna Lucia, who's bossy, annoying, kills a character that kind of we don't like, but this episode gave her a backstory that made her more relatable because we do see after her father dies, she's lost, she's trying to figure out her way, and she finally figures out what she wants for her future, and Boone's mother will not give her the support 
love or money that she needs to do this and she says i'm the captain now and i think you're useless so i'm not going to give you any money when a hundred percent that's not what shannon's dad would have wanted and the guy didn't have a will he had a living trust so she gets screwed over for no reason and it's just a damn shame that they finally make her a little bit likable because your heart breaks for her in those moments knowing that she's lost her father and now has no way of supporting herself and then they literally shoot her dead on the island a minute later so it's one of those okay i see they were building up that so that we would care a bit more when she died it felt like that character had run her course and i wasn't that sad it just adds to your anger against anna lucia if i could just say this do you think that the walt ghost was just a device to prove to the other characters that shannon was losing her mind and do you think that Walt Ghost was just a device to lead Shannon to her death? Or do you think that Walt Ghost will serve another purpose moving forward? Because I can't remember that. And the fact that Saeed doesn't tell Shannon straight out that I see him too, really says to me that Saeed, although he loves Shannon, as we find out in this episode, he kind of thinks that she's crazy too. Up until that end, we do think that maybe she's going crazy but it does seem like Saeed sees Walt in those final moments so it also makes it unclear like why this would be happening and how but I think it's all part of they invested a lot into Walt and the mythology of what could be built up as Walt and then they abandoned all of that they were throwing stuff at the wall it didn't land the way they thought it would so they course corrected in an unsatisfying way so I feel like part of that collateral damage of seeing what works and if it doesn't work then six episodes later, changing course. Locke is able to show Claire how to swaddle Aaron and he gets Aaron to calm down and to sleep. And Charlie gets kind of jealous that Locke is so good with the baby and that Claire is warming up to Locke. And Locke and Charlie have an interesting talk on the beach because Locke knows because Claire let it slip. Charlie is carrying around this statue full of heroin. And there's this moment where he says like, hey, I'm not trying to infringe on your territory. I know you and Claire have this great relationship. I just am trying to do what's best for everyone. He mentions like, you know, Charlie, like I know you're you're doing your best, but you're also a heroin addict. And Charlie says recovering. And Locke's like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 recovering. So I love that, that was some unspoken dramatic tension between them because we know that Locke knows and Charlie doesn't know that yet. To sort of come to Charlie's defense, I do think that him taking that 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 idol is a way to sort of test himself. To me, that sort of played similar to the fact that in Battlestar Galactica, there's this character that after the Cylons attack, he he's a, he's a drunk, basically. And all throughout the show, he has this one bottle of booze. And he keeps making lines about how, how much booze he has left before it runs out. And I think that Charlie keeping that idol was something similar to that. Yeah, it very well could be. That That's a good point. So... Next up, the final episode for today is episode seven, The Other 48 Days, which takes us all the way back to day one, the plane crash, as we see the tail section crash into the water. And through the next 45 minutes, we see everything that happened to the tailies for the first 48 days on the island. We get lots of new characters. So we see Anna Lucia is kind of the jack of this camp springing into action helping perform cpr on a child we also find mr echo recovering bodies out of the water we see a few people who maybe are not what they appear we meet bernard stuck in a tree 
and we see the attacks of the others come and take people and the aftermath of how all that plays out. So I thought this was cool because it was basically an entire flashback episode to bring us up to speed on this new cast of characters and whether we can trust them or not. And we get new information about Anna Lucia, Goodwin, and some of the Dharma Initiative weirdness still permeates as they find their bunker and everything that goes on. So I really liked that this brought us up to speed to that moment where Anna Lucia shoots Shannon, but by seeing the other side. So we understand the trauma and the hardships that the Tailies have been through leading up to present day. And that was fascinating to me, but also because we take a break from the main cast, it was kind of like a nice alternate feeling episode. Like it wasn't picking up the direct ramifications of Shannon's murder, which is frustrating, but I liked that it was a slow build and it gave us a lot more depth into what was happening on other parts of the island at the same time as what was happening to the people that we know and love. When I first saw this episode, I saw it with my grandmother. And as this episode began, my grandmother was so pissed off that she walked out of the room. For some reason, I don't know why, my grandmother was a, was a huge Shannon fan. So when Shannon bit it, she was distraught. And when this episode kicked off, she was so beside herself that I actually had to stop the episode from playing and convince her to come back in the room. Because I knew that the writers were going to pay it off eventually. And I thought that Carlton Cuse and uh, Damon Lindelof did something very, very interesting in this episode. They showed us the pilot of Lost from a different angle. And I really began to actually like a character that I didn't like initially by, by the name of Anna Lucille. Because if you guys have been listening to this episode in particular, you, you know that I don't like Anna Lucille. I think that she's rude, bossy, and basically a pain in the ass. All throughout this episode, we see the the amount of heartbreak that she has gone through after they land, after the tail section of the plane lands. The experience that they have for like 45 days or something is atrocious because the others come and basically systematically take them and kill some of them. One character on the beach with them by the name of Goodwin is fascinating. I love his character and I love what his character ultimately goes through in this episode. Yeah, Goodwin was awesome. Played by the great Brett Cullen, one of the best character actors out there. But he's great. And I love that when everything's going down on the beach in those first couple of days, you know, he shows up and he says, let's build a signal fire so they can find us. And... Then as the episode plays out, we find out that the others came and took some of the people in the middle of the night, but they actually had a list, a list of the people that they were going to take. That was fascinating and it builds the paranoia because Anna Lucia says, if they had this list, then someone here gave them that information and they immediately think that it's a guy named Nathan because the day before he took an extended bathroom break and disappeared. And so Anna Lucia starts digging the pit and she makes that pit that we have come to know so well because Michael, Jin, and Sawyer were thrown into it. And she chucks Nathan in there because she believes he is an other and wants him to confess. And I love when they're interviewing him and they're like, where are you from? Where are you from? And he says, Canada. And 
lost with the evil Canadians uh, setting us up again to take a fall because we know that Ethan said he was Canadian and we know he was another. So immediately they want us to think that Nathan is another and Anna Lucia has smoked out the right guy. And a few moments later when Goodwin shows up and lets Nathan out of the pit. And he says, you know, Anna's got this plan to let you starve and torture you and I'm not with it. So I'm going to save you. And then he grabs Nathan and breaks his neck. We know in that instance, ah, oh, Goodwin is one of the others. He set that fire so that they would know where they were. And then there's the dramatic tension as the rest of the episode plays out where Goodwin is in charge of the radio and Anna Lucia goes with him to higher ground to try and use the radio and her and Goodwin have this confrontation that was very interesting. A lot of interesting stuff is said about how the children are better off and the people on the list were all good people and that's why we were taking them. And then he gets killed and Anna Lucia covers it up saying it was the others who killed him. But that part of the episode with Anna Lucia digging the pit, interrogating and Goodwin's Machiavellian machinations to try and keep his identity secret were really fascinating fascinating to me and the strongest most interesting parts of the Tailey's history for sure it's really interesting that when Anna Lucille confronts Goodwin and basically Goodwin says the only reason that that we took them is because we believe that they're good and the rest of you basically suck and deserve to get you know killed or whatever I begin to wonder because we never really get a good idea of what the philosophy of the others is when we eventually meet the quote-unquote leader is amazing and I can't wait till we get there but he never really you know ultimately says what their philosophy is and what kind of society that they want to build we certainly have no idea at this point what that's all about the, the other thing that I particularly liked about that conversation between Goodwin and Anna Lucille is that during their conversation, she she hints at little things when she mentions how old a knife is. And when he actually reveals himself and he starts to give away the store, she mentions to him that when he came out of uh, the woods, he wasn't wet and he came out like 10 minutes after the entire thing happened. And the other thing that I found confusing is how the hell did the others get a list of all the people in the plane section? Because there's no way that he could have come out of the forest, spent, you know, a day with them and get all their names. Like, how the hell did he do that? We don't see it, but I assume it's probably similar to how Hurley went around and asked everybody their name and where they were from so that he could check it against the manifest. So I'm assuming that Goodwin did a similar thing and we just didn't see it because this episode's so short. Right. But I did like that she says... I. I should have put two and two together because you weren't wet and you were the one who alerted us to Bernard in the tree. And that was because you were coming from in the forest and he must have seen you. So you had to pretend. So I love that gotcha moment, which is so good. But I think that's how they explain away the he made the list, probably because they were trying to do a tally of who was still alive. The other thing that I didn't particularly enjoy was the fact that we find Bernard safely in a tree in his seat. And I'm like, I'm calling it bullshit. There's no way that he had enough time to get out of the laboratory, into the chair, and basically buckle himself in before the backside of the plane ripped open. But then again, for me, I would have just stuck him in a tree and forget the fact that he was actually sitting in a chair. Yeah, I think you're right, because that is sort of a TV 
logic kind of thing where we're supposed to assume he was coming back this plane started to shake so he just took an empty chair i i don't know i definitely think that's a tv logic like you said that we'll just have to kind of go with the other moment in this episode that i did really like is there's a great scene with echo and anna lucia where finally all of the stuff that's been going on as much as i hate anna lucia starts to build and anna lucia takes like a quiet moment by herself and breaks down and echo comes over he finally speaks because he has not spoken since he pulled the bodies out of the ocean 40 days previous you know she says to him why did it take you 40 days to speak and he says why did it take you 40 days to cry and i thought that was a nice quiet introspective moment for both of those characters who we still don't know a lot about and then of course right after that is where the others voices start swirling and the whispers and the paranoia really ramps in the scene and Anna Lucia does kill Shannon not to let her off the hook for that at all but that emotional moment where she's breaking down and her and Echo have that quiet moment went a long way to show that yes she's tough mean bitchy but it is starting to get to her so I did like that small nugget before she does something that's gonna stick with that character and be one of those things that the audience never could look past I really think that Damon and Carlton did a magnificent job of taking somebody who me and Matt don't particularly like, we don't like at all, by the name of Anna Lucille, and giving her some redeemable qualities. Although, like Matt just said, I don't think that she ever gets a chance to be redeemed in the show. And I'm not, it's no exaggeration that when she eventually meets her end, and I didn't feel an ounce of regret for the way that her storyline ends. Do you think that she was brought in to be a tragic individual without any redemption, so to speak. Sort of. I feel like the intentions for her changed as they went because... Like I said, in that season one finale, she was kind of flirty and likable. And then they dropped that. And she was basically the female Jack, but with a no bullshit amount that Jack doesn't really have. Like she takes charge of a situation and doesn't care who gets hurt. So kind of it's weird because she's supposed to be the female jack but without the moral complexity of jack because now they've started to realize that character maybe wasn't working the way they thought she would because people didn't trust her and didn't like her they've switched to sort of ramp up that she does something bad and maybe shouldn't stick around for the long haul do you think that she was initially brought into the show to be to be a replacement for kate eventually serve as a love interest for Jack. Well, I thought because of that flashback in the finale that she was going to be a love interest, possibly, because like I said, she was fun and flirty in that first scene. And then they kind of threw that aside. So I don't know if that was a diversion to trick us when she shows up in season two, or if it was a course correct, because they kind of realized that Michelle Rodriguez was the wrong person, if that's who you were going to go for. So that is the end of Lost season two episodes five six and seven if you are following along with us next week we are going to be talking about episodes eight nine and ten so watch those as we continue to learn more about the dharma initiative and those in the tail section of the plane if you have any questions or comments hit us up on twitter using the hashtag radio 815 we'll read your comments on the show if you have any feedback for me i can be reached on twitter at matt crandall marcello twitter is a good spot to hit you up what is your handle creek fanatic 88 all right so thanks very much for listening we appreciate each and every one of you give us a review follow the podcast that would be greatly appreciated and until next time radio 815 over and out